Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And we have a living legend on with us today. The one and only Mr. Jim Cathcart is joining us. I just recently became friends with this guy and I have heard nothing but amazing things about him. So he has a, um, the bar is high. I mean, it is, at least for me, it's set really high. So let's, let's see what this guy's story is all about. So listen, do me a favor, do your friends and family a favor and go ahead and share this out because they're all going to want to hear this story. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Mr. Cathcart on the show. Jim, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Ken. Thank you. Yeah. That was fun watching that little intro uh, video. You know, like so that? many of my longtime friends were on there. Mark Victor Hansen, you've got to know him. Met him I'm... in the 1970s. Met Brian Tracy in the 1980s when he still lived in Canada. And wow. uh, gosh, you know, so many others. I, I, you know, I, Mark connected me with Brian, Brian changed my life many, many wow. years ago at the trajectory, literally the trajectory of my life. And, and I said, to, I said to Mark, I'm talking to him one day on the phone. He, he said something about Brian Tracy. I said, you know, Brian, he's like been friends with him for 37 years or something. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you've got to get him on my show. And 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 I because he's like the reason I started the show was to eventually wow. have him on. <laughs> and, that is and then great. I'm like, I feel sorry for anybody after Brian Tracy because that was the one that I wanted. I love it. Well, oh, I've got yeah. stories about each of them. So that I'll be happy to share those. That's awesome. Oh, there's Ben Gay the third. Hey Ben. Love, love Ben. So so Jim, I started this about a little over four years ago. Um, it was really probably for selfish reasons, to be honest. I, 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 I uh, as long as it doesn't take away from people, right? Well, I wanted, I was stuck in life and I just thought, you know what, if I can get people to come on and talk about how they got unstuck, maybe that'll work for me. <laughs> and so, and it has, it yeah. has. So yeah. I, let's start with where you were born and raised. Start there. Little Rock, Arkansas. I spent oh, wow. my first 20, da, 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 28 years there and wow. then moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma for six years for a job I had in Tulsa. And then I realized I could live anywhere they had an airport. So I moved to San Diego, La Jolla, California for 20 years. And then I had a grandson born in Santa Barbara. So I, L.A. was in the way. And I moved from San Diego to uh, Thousand Oaks, which is Ventura County because Santa Barbara was just as expensive as La Jolla and um, lived in Thousand Oaks for 18 years and then moved here to Austin, Texas. Yeehaw! So I'm, a, I'm a, a Texan now and proud to be that because when I was growing up, the Texas Texans were the cool kids 
and I was in Little Rock. Other yeah. people would joke, you know what a Texan is? Texan's just a Mexican working his way to Arkansas. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> oh, my God. So I think Texans are Texans because they love Texas, and that's, that's the way I feel right now. <laughs> that is so funny. I have uh, – my wife has family in Little Rock. They own a – I don't know, several hundred million dollar a year company or something down there. And we went, down, we went down to a wedding and I'll never forget the humidity in oh, Arkansas. Yeah. Is, well, we buy it from Houston I, <laughs> and import it to Little Rock. Dude, it's it's so all, all humidity is created in Houston. Oh. Louisiana gets it from there, you know. Wow. It's, it's crazy, man. I, I was, I, I'll never, I'm like wearing this, this sport coat at this wedding and, and my wife's cousin, cousin Eddie walks up to me and he says, I'm sweating. I'm just drenched. And he yeah. says, why are you wearing that sport coat? And I said, I'm just trying to be appropriate. And he said, you're, you're not in the wedding party, man. Take that, <laughs> Take off. that thing off. I was dying. Yeah. What's, so, what's the business your in-laws have? It they're in um commercial real estate or something like oh, that. I, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know a lot of people, obviously, in Little Rock. And, yeah, I'll, and I'll have to find out. You yeah. probably know them. They're they're um they're he I mean the guy has his own private jet and stuff, so I think yeah. they're they're doing pretty well. But um well-known family, that's all I know. Mm -hmm. But um so that that went fast. So you went you skipped ahead like 20 or 40 years there. Yeah, it's 25 um, years. <laughs> yeah. So, but you started out in, let's start, let's go back to Little Rock and, and, and growing up in Little Rock as a kid, um, you, you went to school and high school and all that. Yeah, there. I went to normal, you know, to regular public school and yeah. Fair Park and then uh, Forest Heights Junior High and Hall High School. One of my classmates was, later became General Wesley Clark, the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces over in uh, in um, Europe. You know, I mean, he was he was the president of the senior class the year before I was a senior wow. and then went on to run for president of the United States and all this. So he's kind of a big deal. Glenn wow. Campbell came from from D-Light, Arkansas, which is D-E-L-I-G-H-T, D-Light. And, uh, he grew up in, in Southern Arkansas and I met him years later in California. I play guitar and sing and, uh, semi-professionally. And, uh, I was performing at the Thousand Oaks Art Festival and Glenn Campbell was there with his friend, the actress Jane Seymour in oh, her God. art booth at the art fair. And so I'm walking around after my show with a guitar in my hand. And, I, and I'd see her and I'd met her before at some events. And she said, Jim, have you met Glenn Campbell? Well, I almost fainted. <laughs> I mean, he, he, that's my guitar hero. I mean, he's from Arkansas. I'm from Arkansas. And he's one of the greatest guitarists that ever lived. Yeah. And, and uh, he had a big TV show when I was growing up learning guitar and so forth. Yeah. And um, so I went over and spoke with him and he was posing for pictures all during this with the people coming through the booth. And I said, well, Glenn, you ought to have a guitar in your poses. So I handed him my guitar. Well, he started playing it. Oh my and God. And he was playing my guitar, which is honor enough, but he was playing Bob Dylan's don't think twice. It's all right. 
Yeah. So I started singing it. Oh, and he nodded to me that I should continue. And he sang harmony. And Jane Seymour got her phone out and, and recorded the two of us doing that. Boom. Talk about a big deal. I wow. mean, that was humongous for me. That is insane. The yeah. great Glenn Campbell. The great Glenn Campbell. Oh my gosh, you got to be kidding! Is that and, is that like where your 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 did your career really take off after that? <laughs> no, but my my heart felt fulfilled at that moment, right? You know, because in 1968, I was playing in nightclubs and beer joints in Little Rock, and and just doing you know covers of everybody's songs. Wow. Hadn't written any of my own at the time. I have now, but, um, and I was just, I wasn't even really competent. I was good enough to put on an entertaining show, but not good enough to really impress anybody. Although I got one nice comment from a pro one time I was playing at steak and ale restaurant in the pub and just sitting on a bar stool with a spotlight on me. And I was singing and, uh, Charlie rich, you know, the behind closed yeah. doors and those yeah. other hit songs. Well, he was, yeah, he was there. And um, he told his, his table mate, that guy has a lovely voice. And I thought, well, Hey, that's a nice, nice stroke. I'll wear that. with pride. <laughs> so, Did so I had my little brief moments, but no big breakthroughs musically. Um, by the way, if people want to check me out and see some of my recorded videos and, and, uh, Listen to my songs, my album. It's guitarmusiclive.com. Wow. Just three words, guitarmusiclive.com. That's awesome. So let me ask you, did did any, were there any, uh, well, we got to go back to one of the greatest of that era, Elvis. Did yeah. Elvis have any um, bearing on your music? Oh, or Totally. Yeah. Totally. First song I ever heard on a jukebox was somebody had had left a um, like a quarter in the jukebox and and then departed, and I went up there with my little buddies and we realized, hey, we get free plays, and I played <laughs> "Don't Be Cruel," and then wow. "Hound Dog" by Elvis, and I don't remember any of the other songs we played, but we played those, and that was when a quarter would get you five plays. Yeah, so Nicola song. You know, yeah. so this is a long time ago. Yeah. Gosh, I haven't seen a jukebox in a while. I know. You know, one one year in San Diego, we La Jolla, we rented a jukebox for the entire month of December. And we <laughs> held a whole bunch of uh, social events at our home. And we had the jukebox loaded with only our songs, the wow. songs we most loved. So we had songs from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, all, all kinds of songs, but only our favorites. So there weren't going to be any losers, no matter, no matter what somebody chose. <laughs> right. And I remember Brian Tracy was at one of those events oh, and Tony Alexander and, you know, a bunch of others came over. And uh, during the thing, instead of live music or anything else, we just said, hey, you know, here's a nickel. Go plug wow. the jukebox. And it was just such a such a hoot. That is so awesome. Yeah. Wow. And it's so much cooler than just a playlist. Yeah. You know, it, it because it, it, it was one of those old Wurlitzer, you know, type yep. jukeboxes with all the little bubbly things in it. And, and uh, the records would come around and, you know, 
But did they they they, they were were they real records playing? Yeah, yeah. It was a real straight out of a, a retail store jukebox, you know. Those things have to be worth a lot of money today. Oh yeah, because even at that time it was like two thousand dollars or something to, to rent those. Yeah, for a month. <laughs> no, two thousand was to buy it. Oh, oh, no, oh we, okay. we probably rented it for I don't know five hundred bucks or something like yeah. that. Wow. And and had it for a month and just ah wanted to keep it, but it didn't fit the decor. Yeah, no, I get that, man. Uh, that I. Now you got me thinking. Okay, I got to get a jukebox to put in my office here. Or something. Well, Michelle tells us go to go to a diner and find a jukebox. Uh, no, I, we can find one there. Yep. Yeah. So, so I love you, this feature, by the way, on your on your uh, show frame, you know, where we can see the comments from people and who it's coming from. That you know, is a very cool feature. By the way, you can click in the upper right hand corner where it says live comments. Do you see yeah. that? Click that and you can see all the comments pouring in from all of your fans. They all hate me. They're here for you. So, <laughs> so, so, so Jim, talk about like, cause you, after high school, did you go to college? I did. I went for two years. Okay. I went a year and a quarter, <laughs> which tells you something, uh, to Arkansas State Teachers College in Conway, Arkansas, which all is- right. Today, it's the University of Central Arkansas. And the reason I went there is they accepted 97% of the applicants. So college entrance was no sweat, right? And uh, I went there in the first year, my grade point on a four-point system, my grade point was 1.231. So, you, you, so what you're saying is you're really good at applying yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and I learned how to drink beer and so many other things. And then uh, the second year I came back and in the first few weeks I got like uh, uh, some kind of flu or upper respiratory in infection that was kept me down for like 10 days. Yeah. And when I came back, I was so far behind, I just dropped out. And so yeah. I went from job to job for a while. And then I went back to college and uh, at what was Little Rock University is now University of Arkansas at Little Rock. Okay. And um, I went for about a year there and I never did graduate college. So I didn't have a college degree until 2021. In 2021, hang on. Really? Come on. In 2021... Dr. Nito Kubain of High Point University in North Carolina yeah. presented me an honorary degree in business. I love it. What a thrill. That what an is absolute awesome. thrill. Here's my tassel. See there? That's awesome. <laughs> wow. So like, 17, 75 years old, <laughs> I got my college degree. You're not 70. Yes, 75? Yep, 1946. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's that's the year my mom was born, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you, son. I appreciate that coming. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Doug Wing. Do you know who Doug Wing is? I don't. Does he know me? <laughs> I don't know, but Doug Wing hey, is dirt bikes. He, he, uh, he's no he's Jim a, has uh, yeah, I see his comment. 
He well, he Little Giant Ladder Company. That's his. Well, he okay. sold it, but he yeah, he has twenty, I think twenty two or twenty four dirt bikes. <laughs> like wow, he's huge into it. So he wants to. Well, he saw the post last night, and he wants to know what kind of bikes you ride. Okay, first off, I'm a life member by tenure, not not by payment by tenure. I'm a life member of the American Motorcyclist Association. I've ridden well over 150,000 miles on motorcycles all wow. over the world. Wow. In, in, over the years, I've had 18 different bikes, uh, probably 14 or 15 different brands. Uh, my wow. first big bike was a BMW R69 uh, back in 1969. And uh, my wow. first bike ever was a scooter made by Harley Davidson called a Topper. And um, I got that because a cool guy on TV had one. And <laughs> um, then let's see, my current ride is a Triumph uh, Bonneville 1200cc 2018 model. And tomorrow, no, Sunday, I'm going to be riding in the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. It's a worldwide event to raise money for prostate cancer. And what they recommend you do is get on a bike, even if it's just a little scooter, and put on a coat and tie, bow tie preferred, yeah. and, and put on your helmet and be a proper gentleman, you know, wear your gloves and ride around town to draw attention to the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, DG. Wow. Yep, look it up. That is awesome. By the way, quick little fundraiser. Uh, go to distinguishedgentlemansride.com, I guess, and uh, or .org, and enter my name. And if you want to support that cause, please do so. Wow. The official ride day is Sunday. Well, you need to you need to go out. Doug has sponsored. His father is the founder of Little Giant Ladders, uh -huh. and Doug has this annual thing they do out in Utah for the it's uh -huh. the Howling Memorial Ride, wow. and like all the Utah State Troopers and all it's oh. it's it's spectacular. Sounds wonderful. Every yeah. year they they do it out there. Love it. So, Thank and you. Utah, you know, is really miserable and ugly. I'm kidding. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it, it, it's inspirational overload. You know, I, I went on a motorcycle tour solo from San Diego to Cody, Wyoming and back, uh, back in 1992 or three, somewhere in there. And I was going to the uh, Rider Magazine motorcycle rally in Wyoming. I asked my wife if she wanted to go and she said, no, it's a little too much backseat time for her. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, I'll see you. And I took off after dinner one night and <laughs> rode out into the desert and then uh, got up at four o'clock the next morning and rode across the desert up to um, Page, Arizona, and then on up all the way, you know, but coming back, I came through Utah and I was checking off all the national parks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's you know, crazy. I've been through all these beautiful, wonderful places. I'd been to the Grand Canyon. I'd been, you know, up to, in Wyoming and all to Flaming Gorge and, and places like that. And here I'm going through Utah and it's just one after another, after another. I, and I went to Bryce Canyon and I thought, that's so beautiful. Well, I'm done. I'm going home. Right. So I'm riding home and, and this sign says Zion. And I thought, well, you know, it's handy. 
She was the best of all of them. It was absolutely glorious. It's Love it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. So um so and we have questions coming in now. So yeah. and and we'll get we'll get to some questions but I I want to I want to find out. So obviously, um, school wasn't for you. Wasn't necessarily your well, cup of tea. <laughs> you think? Yeah. So what? So well, you know, in you, high school, I did graduate one seventy sixth out of four hundred and thirty. So clearly, academic prowess. That that's. I mean, you were average at least. Yeah. Yeah, D average. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, so but I was so likable. Where did I can tell? Yeah. So how did you? Where did when you? So you drop out of college back then, and what did you do? Like you immediately got well, into. I counted one and time, and I've had before I got into this business, the business of, of speaking and training and personal development. Yeah. Forty different jobs. If you count everything I ever got actual formal pay for doing 40 wow. different jobs. And I drove trucks. I've sold mutual funds and life insurance. Wow. I, I uh, was a bill collector repossessing log trucks in the Ozark mountains. What? Um, yeah. I was a banker. I was a teller and uh, proof machine operator at a bank. I, uh, bartender, uh, nightclub singer. Um, I, I shoveled dirt and gravel. Um, wow. Yeah, I did a lot of things. Never a Chippendales though, right? Well, <laughs> not even close because I was always fat. You said, well, that's yeah. so funny. I was, oh I, I weighed, when I got married, uh, the year after I married, I weighed 200 pounds. I'm five, nine. And I ought to weigh about what I weigh now, which is 150 something. And um, I was 50 pounds overweight, wow. smoked two packs a day, uh, never exercised, had not been an athlete in school, had won half of a season on the swimming team. That was it. Um, and had never set a goal and had no idea what I was going to do with my life, had no money and no, no connections and no college degree. So clearly wow. I was destined for success. Uh, it sounds like you were set up. It was like, a natural, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that is so funny. Um, Doug Wing says, "I think I have some old cassettes somewhere of Jim sales training tapes." So, so nope. what? Okay, so relationship strategies. That's it's so me and Tony Alessandra, and there's a backstory to that too. But uh, relationship strategies for dealing with the differences in people. It was the first audio album ever published. And I'll let that sink in. The first audio album ever published on the subject of personality types. Oh, my God. How many are there today? Oh, my Tens God. of thousands. They, they release a new one every day. Yeah. And you it's know, all regurgitated probably from you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I wrote in my first book, I wrote you, uh, one of, one of my favorite quotes is there's no such thing as an original thought. All wisdom is plagiarized, <laughs> but, but you know, it's like somebody said it at some point, but yeah. So, so, 
so you, I mean, you really weren't set up for success. You weren't, no. you weren't headed. In I didn't even end. expect to succeed. So what happened like somewhere? I, something shifted. What happened? I was working at the little rock housing authority in 1972. I had been, a. uh, selling mutual funds and life insurance for IDS investor diversified services. And I failed. I did that for about a year and a half and didn't make enough money to pay the rent. So I I quit that job and took a job at the Ford dealership in Little Rock, Rebsom and Ford selling cars because I could sell my car and not have a payment and drive their demo. So that's why I took the job and the job was minimum wage Wow. Commissions on anything you sold. And of course, I didn't sell much. Uh, and after a month, a guy that was with me there, he said, Hey, right down the street, the Lincoln dealer, Lincoln and Mercury, they're yeah. paying 400 a month. Whoa. And the demos are nice. They're not Ford Pintos, they're Mercury Marquee Brome. Woo. He said, Come with me. So we left and we went down the street to the other dealer and went to work. And of yeah, course, but a Ford to get the job, on, they, they would say, here, you fogged up the mirror. You are qualified to work here, right? So I sold there for a month and a half. And then they always fired whoever was last in sales. Yeah. And um, there were two guys below me the first month. I made a couple of sales and they didn't. And so they both got fired. Well, the next month, Lester Campbell, the sales manager, called me in. He said, Jim, he said, terminations are never pleasant. I said, are you firing me? He said, yeah, we always fire the last guy. Oh, my God. I said, well, why not teach me to sell? He said, no, we hire well. I said, no, you don't. Wow. And uh, so I left and I went to work at a friend's grocery store, second groceries, trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I tried applying for a job with a bank, you know, to get a, a entry level position in a trust department because yeah. those people always impressed me when I'd been at banks, trust officers. Right. And uh, it had a little to do with stocks and bonds and investments. And, and I knew a little about that, but no takers. And uh, so I took a job at the housing authority working as a government clerk for 525 bucks a month. And I was an assistant to a guy who didn't need an assistant. His name was Bob Moore and he was bored. So I had nothing to do. And one day I heard Earl Nightingale on the radio in the next room, mm. Earl Nightingale, the Dean of personal motivation. He was on 900 radio stations all over the world. Wow. And I remember vividly what he said that day. Here's what he said. If you will spend one extra hour each day studying your chosen field in five years or less, you will be a national expert in that field. And I thought, I'm a government clerk. I got eight hours a day <laughs> to do this by next week. You know, so I'm thinking, what do I want to be an expert at? Well, it oh, wasn't man. urban renewal. So I kept thinking about that. And then finally, a few weeks later, it hit me. I want to do what he does. What and I had no idea what he did. What was that? What you wanted to do, what Earl Nightingale was doing? Yeah, but I didn't know what Earl Nightingale was doing. I just knew it felt wonderful. And I thought if I could help people grow and succeed, that would be great. But I've, you know, I've got two qualities that would hold down one speaking career. Never given a speech 
had nothing to say. So, you know, that'll kind of keep you slow in the starting point. Uh, so I took him at his word and I started becoming a fanatical student of personal development, oh you know, applied God. psychology or applied behavioral science, they call it. And uh, all I wanted to do for the longest time was just gorge myself on more information about goal setting and interpersonal communication, leadership, sales, things like that. I read all the classics like. That is so awesome. Think and Grow Rich. Oh, first yeah. Edition, first edition, Think and Grow Rich. Oh, my uh, God. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Best oh, book ever written. Best ever. How to Be a Genius by Wallace Waddles, uh, who wrote how, The Science of Getting Rich, you know, yeah, which was oh, yeah. the, the book behind the movie The Secret. Yeah. And um, wow. by the way, how to, how to Be a Genius. He says, wisdom is reading the mind of God. Whoa. Wow. I've got a, I, I've never even heard of that one. Yeah. Most people haven't. The Norman power Vincent Peale, Power of Positive Thinking. Positive thinking. Yeah. And see, I, I started out at a time when all these things were unknown, where, where there was no self-improvement or, or yeah. motivation section in a bookstore or a library. And I got to know these people. They became my friends. I shared the stage with Norman Vincent Peale on two different occasions, maybe three. Oh, my god! I, I got to know Zig Ziglar, went to church with him and Gene. Um, and a couple of years ago, I was the keynote speaker for the Ziegler Learning Corporation after Zig passed. Tom um, and Tom and Julie and Cindy are all really good friends of mine. They are just salt they're, of the earth. Yeah, they're great amazing. Love them. You do move to Dallas. There you go. You get to hang with them and me. I'll come up to Dallas. Uh, yeah, I have so many friends in Texas. My goodness. So, uh, like, okay, I, I have my goosebumps have goosebumps right now. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I'm because you are speaking. I remember I went, I was working at Honda. I dropped out of high school in 12th grade. I said, this is ridiculous. Y'all are crazy. And, and so I was the crazy one, but anyway, so I, I went to work at the Honda factory and I wow. realized after Where? two and a half in Marysville, Ohio. Okay. And, and I realized after two and a half years that I absolutely hated building cars. So I went and interviewed with Tansky Toyota to sell cars. Mm -hmm. And the owner, Tom Tansky, if you're watching, I know more famous people than you do, Tom. Um, <laughs> he comes in. He's the owner of the dealership, Jim. He comes in. They make me take this goofy test. And he comes in. He says, you should probably keep building cars and never consider getting into sales ever. I said, what? And he goes, your personality is not for sale. I'm like, what the heck, man? I mean, I'll never forget. And, and so you told that story of getting fired. I thought, you know, that really creates a feeling of, of defeatism. Like I'm defeated. I should never do that again. Right? Well, it creates a hole that you want to fill. You know, yes. someone tells you, you know, you, you just you can never be successful because blank. Well, clearly they know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. that's the whole point of all this is that you got to consider the source. Who was it that told you you shouldn't be a jogger because it's bad for your knees? I'll guarantee you it wasn't a marathoner. 
Right. It was some fat right. guy sitting in the next office saying, no, you shouldn't do that stuff. Pass me them Cheetos. Now, look, because <laughs> that's bad for your knees. I had an uncle once, you know, hurt his back when he was out jogging and a dog came after him. And I mean, that's just dangerous uh, stuff. You should sit at home and eat ice cream. Pass, pass me them Cheetos. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, if someone says, hey, I've got an investment idea for you, oh. check to see if they're rich. Right. If they're not, say thanks just the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so you got so you went down this path. You decided to start investing a minimum of an hour a day. Actually, I figured since I was starting from so far behind most people, or at least I thought I was that I would, I would have to overcompensate. And so I became literally textbook fanatical. Wow. I'm talking Webster's dictionary fanatical about personal development. That's all I wanted to think about, read about, listen to be around. Uh, you know, I just, it, my whole world changed. The friends I had had previously drifted away because I was too intense and I had new friends that were into it like you and me. And yeah, you know, all of a yeah. sudden it just starts exponentially growing. And uh, I just loved it. And uh, so I joined the JCs, the Junior Chamber of Commerce, which at that time was huge because the baby boom was their market. That Unlike Lions or Optimist or Rotary, JCs market is young adults. Yeah. And, and back then it was all male and they called it their motto, young men can change the world. And they said, our purpose is leadership training through community service. And we had 356,000 members in the USA. And I joined to start a new chapter in Pulaski Heights portion of Little Rock, Arkansas. And I went to, in the next two years, this was 1972. In the next two years, I attended 400 JC's meetings. 402 years after work for no pay. What? 400. And at every meeting, I was either presenting or reporting or guiding a discussion or something because they had a program called Leadership in Action, and it was about goal setting and personal development. And I participated in one, loved it, and said, when's the next one? They said, there's not a next one. Why don't you lead it? And I said, well, how do I lead it? And they said, well, here's the leader's manual. Read that. So I wow. read it cover to cover three times. Everything I got from them, I read cover to cover at least three times. And so that made me the resident expert on that topic. And um, I, I just became really, really uh, skilled at that. You know, after the first, at first I was awkward and I was not good at it at all. I would say, why is it important to hear the other person before you speak? Uh, Ken, you know, I mean, that's how it started out. And then later I said, Ken, you know, communication needs to be two ways, obviously. Right. So if you start speaking, then all you know is what you know. But if you start listening, you know what they know and what you know. Boom. See, the difference in those two little things I just illustrated there, night and day. Yeah. Well, by the 50th or more the program that I led, I was getting pretty good at it. By the hundredth one, I was darn good at it. And I was popular statewide. 
And there were 282 chapters in the state of Arkansas at that time. Wow. So 10,000 members and, and um, 10,800 members. And so I became the state chairman in charge of leadership training. And every night after work, I would get in the car after dinner with my wife and little boy, Jimmy, who's your age. And, wow. um, and I would play with him and then I'd get in the car and I'd go to some JC's meeting, sometimes four hours away. Wow. And coming home, I'd have to sleep in a roadside park for a while so I didn't fall asleep behind the wheel. And yeah. all the way there and all the way back, I was listening to Earl Nightingale. Wow. Earl Nightingale. The strangest secret. Strangest secret. He, he has a series called Lead the Field. Oh, yep. Yeah. And it, what it is, is the expanded version of The Strangest Secret. This is one of the cassettes in that series. Yep. So each cassette had a 20-minute message on the same message, both sides. The idea was you'd play it, you'd flip it over and play it again and again and again. And then he had the transcript of it right there with it so that you had the text. And I have still today all these recordings oh I listened to back then. The, well, they they made for 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 those of you watching that are not aware of this, they used to make these cassette players that would automatically the player head would flip over so you could play the second side of the cassette tape without having to eject it. That wow. you know, because I, I I was um, I was telling Mark Victor Hansen one day I said you know I had a because he was like, yeah, I, I was doing stuff with the Nightingale Conan Corporation and these, you know, tape series and all this. And I'm like, I used to be a subscriber every month. Like they would send this stuff to me every like I was upset. I I remember it, Gosh, there's so many parallels, Jim. You're you're like bringing <laughs> me back to my early 20s because I, I remember I quit Honda because I was like hell bent on i'm i'm gonna figure this sales thing out and show that that dumb tom tansky yeah <laughs> and, I worked and, one day in a factory couldn't stand it i quit oh it was yeah, yeah. And, and so i i listened to these i told brian tracy i said i i was supposed to be out knocking on doors and and i i was so afraid to do it because i didn't know what i was doing that I would sit in my car for hours and listen to Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Earl Nightingale. See, that was me listening to Earl Nightingale. Wow. And I knew I, see, my dad was a telephone repairman. Mom was a homemaker. Uh, my grandfather was in the front bedroom, disabled by a stroke last six years, seven years of his life. Wow. Never spoke nor moved from the bed. So mom took care of him and my grandmother and me and my little sister while dad was on the road all week. And it was, she was way beyond her threshold of, of ability. So it overwhelmed her. Um, and so I didn't expect ever to do well. I, I expected I would, well, excuse me. I thought I'd have a good life. I figured I'd be a middle manager at some place like the phone company and I'd retire at 65 and die at whatever the average was for my gene pool. Yeah. But then I heard Earl Nightingale say one extra hour a day, you can be a national expert. And it hit me one hour a day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, five years, that's 1,250 hours on one subject. Yeah, if it's a narrow enough subject, I mean, you could say, I'm going to study leadership. Well, 
don't expect much progress uh, on the national stage if you're only given one extra hour to a subject that broad. But if you talk about managing people, um, you know, management techniques, how do you manage people? And you get that specific under the leadership banner, you can start making rapid progress. Well, I wanted to understand personal development and personal development was new. This was the beginning of what was called the human potential movement. And so I became fanatically interested in that field, but there weren't like today, thousands and thousands of books and recordings on this and courses and, you know, on YouTube and everything else. I went to one seminar and it was, it was amazing to be able to find a seminar on personal development. It was led by adventures and attitudes out of, uh, Minnesota, a guy named Leo Hauser and Bob Conklin put that together. And the guy leading it locally in Little Rock, Arkansas, was a man named Gib Strammel. And I remember vividly being in that meeting room at a, a hotel downtown Little Rock and doing a goal setting exercise. And I wrote down the goal. Now, this was 1974. Wow. I wrote the goal. By September 1, 1979, I will be a national expert on personal growth. Okay. Wow. I carried that with me. I focused on that. I did the things I needed to do every day. Five years later, I was a full-time speaker and trainer teaching other people's courses, flying around the country, giving training on the subject of personal development. Then I wrote a new goal. I said, by 1989, now this is a long time later, but by 1989, I will be one of the te- top 10 best known, most admired, and influential people involved in the field of professional speaking and training. Wow. By 1989, I was president of the National Speakers Association, had written a dozen books, had delivered well over 1,500 speeches, had been inducted into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame, and uh, had earned my certified speaking professional degree and was doing some uh, part-time teaching at colleges and universities. Wow. And today... At 75 years old, still going strong. Young. I have delivered 3,300 paid speeches for literally millions and millions of dollars in speaking fees to well over a million people live and in person, you know, face to face all over the world. Um, I've written 24 books. 23 of those are already published. Um, I just created, and it was released day before yesterday. Uh, a 30-lesson sales course on professional selling published by Biz Library out of St. Louis. Um, I've got two books in the works. Uh, I'm coaching people. I I work as a mentor. You know, I I coach small groups of of high achievers that are committed to succeeding, and I take them through a process over eight weeks that I call going pro. You pick a path and you – put everything you can onto that focus and you make major advancement during that eight weeks. Then I bring them here to Austin for a mastermind weekend, just completed the spring version of that and starting summer now. And so that's what I'm doing. I mean, and, and I play guitar and sing in nightclubs occasionally. 
and I ride my motorcycle, you know, go explore roads for hundreds of miles at a time. But other than that, they ain't nothing new. I, you know, I thought I had met all my heroes and I, <laughs> I, I, I was wrong, man. Wow. 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 So well, let me tell you a quick little backstory because we're on the subject of Earl Nightingale, sort of. I love Earl right? Nightingale. So yeah. I heard Earl Nightingale and this man, Harold Gash, came to a JC's meeting where I, in Little Rock where I was speaking. And he was going to be presenting the Earl Nightingale audio cassette library, which is yep. what is up on my upper shelf up there running from side to side. Wow. Those are all cassette packs wow. of Earl Nightingale's recordings. Well, that was $560 retail, and that was more than I made in a month. And so he said, Jim, that presentation you gave, he said, you've got more potential than any young man I've ever known. And I don't know how few he had known, but I, I thought, surely this is hype. He said, uh, you ought to have this tape library because you need to reprogram your own thinking by systematic listening for a long period of time. And it'll, it'll skyrocket your career. And I said, well, you know, I love the recordings. I love what Earl Nightingale is all about. But Harold, for heaven's sakes, 560 a month? You expect me to stay married if I do that? <laughs> and I said, there's no way that would go over. And he said, well, take these home and listen to them for a month. And at the end of the month, either bring them back or figure out how to pay for them. Wow. So I took them home and I decided to just overindulge and take notes and, and create this massive knowledge base by gleaning everything that was in the cassettes. Well, at the end of the month, I was so Earl Nightingale addicted that I couldn't quit. And I was packaging it all up to take it back to him. And my wife said, you don't want to take them back, do you? And I said, well, no. <laughs> Why don't you keep them? In other words... I've seen you change so much for the better. I don't want to go back to the old you. So I figured out how to pay for them. And I asked Harold, I said, can I get a discount? He said, no. He said, if I discount them to you, then you will always think they're worth less than retail. Ah, uh, that's beautiful. And you'll never be able to sell them with conviction. And I want you selling these for me. And I said, okay. So in 1972, I heard Earl on the radio at the housing authority. In 1974, I bought his cassette library and I started selling them door to door to businesses. I left the housing that, store. That was at $560 a month. No, $560 and, a, a sale. So oh, I was earning 525. I was earning 525. The the cassettes cost 560. Wow. Which, you know, it, just wow. put it in today's terms, whatever that, your numbers are. Yeah. And more than a month's salary. That was sure. a lot, yeah. especially for just listening to tapes where yeah. you don't even get a degree at the end of it that you can use to open doors. Wow. So I, I started selling those door to door in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1974. Now, wow. fast forward, 1979, I met Dr. Tony Alessandra in San Diego at a speech I was giving for Century 21 of, of uh, California. And um, at that meeting, we hit it off so well, we decided to become business partners. And he left the University of San Diego, threw in with me. I moved to California and we merged everything we had into one checkbook and one set of files and wow. built 
Cathcart, Alessandra and Associates selling our recordings and our training and our seminars and our speeches uh, nationwide. Wow. And we were successful. We were doing each 120 paid speeches a year. Now that's a lot. That's two a week minimum, right? Wow. And, and each one of those involved a round trip plane fare. So yeah. uh, Tony and I were killing it, just doing a great job and writing articles. And we had a staff of 10 people and full and part-time and just really killing it. And I had been elected to the board of the National Speakers Association. So I had good prospects there. And um, one day the phone rang and I picked it up. And this deep voice said, may I speak to Jim Cathcart? I said, well, this is he. He said, this is Earl Nightingale. And you you passed out, right? I almost. almost I, I didn't know what to say. I, I said something like, ah, da, 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 which means this is he. How may I help you? And, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding said, me? He said, Mr. Cathcart, I read an article of yours in the Nonprofit World Report, ironically, um, on personality types. And I think that would make a good audio program. I said, well, sir, it is an audio program. Tony and I created it. And he said, well, send it to me if we like it. My company produces those. I said, oh, believe me, I know. He said, if we like it, we'll publish it. So I sent it to him and he called and he said, if you will re-record it, we'll take it. Oh, my. And in 1984 and 85, Nightingale Conant sold three and a half million dollars worth of relationship strategies for dealing with the differences in people by Jim Cathcart and Tony Alessandra. Oh my God. Heard him on the radio in 72, started selling his recordings in 74. And in 1984, he was selling mine. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So geez, I have, like, how much time do you have? Cause I could come up <laughs> with about 4,000 questions, but uh, what? Okay. So, so was that ever on your goal list anywhere? No. I didn't hear you say no, I wrote down no. that, that Earl Nightingale was going to sell my stuff someday. No, I it, I didn't even think I'd ever meet him. You know, that, that was so far from my consciousness. And, and I didn't set big goals back then. You know, to be a national authority, I thought I'd kind of backdoor it, just become very, very knowledgeable and skilled. I didn't think of being the guy out front and being on shows like yours and you know, being in magazines and being president of NSA and things like that. No, that never occurred to me. Oh, and, and Toastmasters International. In the year 2000, I got a call toward the end of the year. Now, Toastmasters International it teaches leadership and communication, public speaking yeah. through local clubs. And they have, I don't know, 200,000 members around the world or more. I don't know how many, but lots. Yeah. They're big like the JCs used to be big. Yeah, right. And uh, the reason JCs aren't as big today is the baby boom has aged out. Back then, it it was the only vehicle young people, young adults had for learning leadership skills and getting involved in the community. Today, they've got thousands of those. You've got everything from apps in your phone to Facebook to, to you know, TikTok, to name it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Toastmasters is big still today and rightly so. And it teaches people to be confident and skilled in public speaking. Well, I only belonged to Toastmasters for like three months 
and I did it as research when I was on the national headquarters staff of the JCs in charge of leadership training for all 356,000 members. Wow. They hired me, I, you know, local chapter, state level, and then the national headquarters hired me as a full-time trainer. Um, and that's where I got to meet a lot of big names and get involved in this profession even more. But Toastmasters, so I'd, I'd been exposed to them, but didn't really know them that well. And so Terry McCann, who ironically had held the same position I had at the JCs 10, 15 years before me, was now executive director of Toastmasters International. He said, Jim, are you familiar with the Golden Gavel Award? And I said, oh, heavens, yeah. yeah. Walter Cronkite. You know, Earl Nightingale, sure. Art Linkletter, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, Zig Ziglar. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. quite familiar with that award. He said, well, you're the recipient for the millennium. And I said, hang on just a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came back and I said, tell me more. Oh, my gosh. Ken, I... I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. You gotta be. This is crazy. Holy that was crap. the biggest deal of my entire career at that point. Oh my gosh. And I had already been president of the national speakers association. You know, I'd even received the Cabot award, which is, which is a, uh, see that statue over in the corner. I do. Okay. That's a statue of the founder of the national speakers association, Cabot Robert. And each year we give the person that's most like our founder in supporting and encouraging others, the Cavett Award. So one person gets it each year and not wow. every year. Some, some years they don't give it, but I got that in 93. But here it was 2001. I'm the Millennium Golden Gavel recipient. Are you kidding me with names like that? And uh, Anthony Robbins got it one year. And, you know, so, I mean, this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, wow. So I mean, look at me today. Uh, not me, the person, but me, the the business entity. Yeah. And compare it to where I started as a clerk at the Little Rock Housing Authority, as a former bill collector repossessing log trucks in the Ozark Mountains, as wow. a, a nightclub singer working for tips at, at Steak and Ale Restaurant or Chuck and George's Roast Beef Sandwiches, which was a beer joint in the industrial district. Um, no college degree. No money in the bank, no connections in the community, and no expectation of success. And one simple message that opened up my mind to the possibility of improving myself microscopically until it was macro improvement over time, that was the thing that turned my entire life around. You know, I, I think, um, I, I and I'll butcher it, I'll but I know I'll butcher it, but um, Zig said one time, he said, um, something to the effect of, you know, uh, uh, Zig, I, I, I don't need, or, um, how did he put that where he said, I, we don't need personal development every day or something like that. And Zig said, well, we don't need bathing every day. Yeah, that's either. right. But the, we, the way that I remember him that. using that, he always got a laugh <laughs> whenever he told something yeah. like that. But, but say, so, you know, someone said to me, uh, you know, I don't I don't need motivation. <laughs> you know, motivation is no good because it doesn't last. And he said, well, neither does a bath, but it's a good idea now and then. 
know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. When you think of it, neither does eating, neither does saying I love you. Right. You know, there's a whole lot of th exercise doesn't yeah. last. So yeah. I guess we shouldn't do it. No. Motivation, just like all those other things. That's what's required to keep your mind at the level that is required. I mean, is necessary for you to grow. What do you, I, so, and God, I cannot believe we have actually been on here 56 minutes already. This, this is the Larry, fastest hour keep, keep of it rolling. Thank you. Life. I'm enjoying it too. Uh, we, Hey, uh, it's my show and it's the internet. <laughs> we can go all day. I don't give a crap, but let, let me ask, let me ask you this. So I always, I, I, there's a couple of questions I like to ask everybody. And this one in particular, I cannot wait to hear your answer. And, and that is, uh, it's a two-part question. What do you think, in your opinion, what holds people back from two things? Number one, real financial success. And number two, and I believe these are related, freedom and happiness in life. Yes. I think they're related because I've been homeless and broke and I've been wealthy and wealthy's better. So yes, what, it is. It, really, it is. So what do you think the the root cause? What is the thing that's stopping people from really having it all in life? Well, there it, it goes all the way down to the bedrock of their their philosophy, their worldview. If you believe that you are unworthy or unsuited for an abundant, flourishing, wealthy life, then you've got a faulty assumption. The assumption is that something is missing in you. You know, you're not enough or you're you just weren't meant to, you know, as if fate was was sitting back there saying, OK, here's the plan for Jim. No, no, not that way. Go this way. It's left. <laughs> you know, it, I mean. No, look, there's a creator. No matter what your religion is, something caused all this to happen. That's right. I believe that creator, I, I, use, the, I use God as the way of identifying yeah. that creator. Yeah. I'm not talking about some guy with a beard sitting up in the clouds judging. I'm talking about the source of life, the original, the universal source of life caused us to exist. Every human being was intentionally created. Why would a creator intentionally cause faulty output? Wouldn't. You know, well, but wait a minute. I was born without an arm or a leg or, you know, I was born blind or I was whatever the handicap happens to be, right? Well, that was simply your starting point. That's that didn't true. limit you from the ability to live a, a really meaningful and satisfying life because I can name people that have, have all those conditions and worse and have created an absolutely stunning, admirable life where they're my heroes. Mm. So basic assumption, you were meant to exist. Now, life needs a, a portal, needs an outlet. It needs a, a plant or a tree or an animal or a person to express itself through. So if you look at the world and you think about life coming through the world, it anything you see that's alive, it's what's its goal? Its goal is to live fully, 
to expand, to grow, to, you know, even if it's a virus, it's trying to multiply and grow. If it's a person, same thing, trying to multiply and grow. All right. So why should you be an inadequate door? Why not let more of life come through you? Well, how do I do that? Start becoming an eligible receiver. Start showing up at the places where the opportunities could occur. What if I don't know if they're going to occur? Take a shot. Show up. Show up. You know, it's like when I wanted to get fit, I couldn't make myself exercise, but I could make myself put on my running shoes and walk out. So I did that. I committed to doing that every day. And almost every day, I would at least walk, if not jog. And then I got to where I could run five miles, no problem. So I went from 200 pounds to 150 pounds and became an athlete for the first time in my life at age 30. Wow. Now, at age 23, I weighed 200 pounds. At age 75, I still weigh 150. I've still got a 30-inch waist. I didn't wow. have a 30-inch waist in high school. <clears throat> wow. So how do you become an eligible receiver? Well, item one, develop your skills before you need them. Emphasis, before you need them. What if I never need them? Then it was a, it was a weak bet. But do you buy life insurance not knowing when you're going to die? Right. I mean, hey, place your bets, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> right? Develop the skills that give you the most possibilities. <clears throat> Interpersonal skills, goal setting skills, money management skills, you know, life skills. And the next thing is put yourself intentionally in situations where good could happen. And do that again and again and again and again and again. Now, I saw one of the comments from Lona a while ago, my first year in insurance sales, W. Clement Stone. Yeah. And I believe this, this was recommended listening. Well, I got to know W. Clement Stone personally. Wow. I, I served on a committee with W. Clement Stone. I've been in the private office of W. Clement Stone wow. as the guest of his employee, Og Mandino, the author of The Greatest Salesman in the World. Okay, became, my chills just got chills again. <laughs> Og and I became good friends. One time, Og was given a speech. Og, Og Mandino wrote a lot of books, wow. um, and yeah. and sold tens of millions of copies. Yeah, and he worked for a while as the president of Success Magazine for W. Clement Stone, who was the personal manager of Napoleon Hill, <laughs> author of Think and Grow Rich. So yeah. all of these, you know, the roots go back to the beginning of all this. And uh, we can trace it from Hill back even further. But Ogmandino, one day I was in his audience, National Speakers Convention, and actually wasn't. It was at the headquarters of NSA in Tempe, Arizona. Wow. And he was speaking to a group of maybe a couple hundred of us. And uh, he was talking about being an author. And I said, Og, out of all the books you've written, which one had the biggest impact on your life and which one was your favorite? He said, well, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, he said, you've read all my books. Which of mine had the biggest impact on you and which one was your favorite or is your favorite? I said, well, my favorite is the Christ Commission, which I think is just brilliant story that's set back in biblical times about a guy researching 
whether Jesus actually raised from the dead or not by interviewing the disciples and the people in the Bible. What a cool concept. Anyway, I told him that was my favorite of all your books. And uh, he said, well, which one had the biggest impact on your life? I said, oh, clearly the greatest salesman in the world. Mm. I said, okay, your turn. He said, same books. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah. And I remember I was thrilled one day. I was sitting in my office, I think in San Diego, and I picked up the phone and uh, it was Betty Mandino, Og's wife. And Betty's from Boston. Yeah. Not Boston. 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 And she said, Jeb, 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 Og wants to ask you a question. I said, okay, put him on. (laughs) Oh, jeez. He said, Jim, he said, hey, I, I need to ask you about the, da, 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 da. and I, it, you know, after I hung up, I thought, dang, Little Rock Housing Authority, Earl Nightingale, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, W. Clement Stone, Og Mandino, me. <laughs> you know, it just, it just gives you the shivers to think that you're part of that legacy and you get to be a player in that space. Now, I don't think of myself as being a giant like them, but to to know that I'm on that team, that's huge, huge. Yeah, I mean, I could go on all day. You, but you said you said when when I asked you what holds people back, you said um, something about their expectations, and 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 I I, I think back to like you didn't you had no expectations of success. No. Was it just through the, the, the personal development and yeah. you know, listening to the tapes? And I knew the books See, that, I had to, I'd been programmed by people that didn't expect much from me either. Right. They loved me, yeah. but they didn't expect me to be a great one, you know, in any way. Yeah. So, wow. uh, so I just, um, figured, you know, I'm not going to go much anywhere unless I reprogram my own mind. And in order to do that, I've got to be exposed intentionally to uplifting and expansive messages again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And I did thousands of hours of listening to Earl Nightingale. Wow. And and repetitively, you know, my, my family would say, Dad, you know, Jim, we're going to have to listen to the cassettes. Yes, I'm not done yet. You know, so no, we're not going to turn on the radio. We're going to listen to these recordings again. Oh my God. And, and it was the same recordings. Right. So, but there were 48 recordings. So, you know, it had at least a little bit of variety there. Well, but repetition, that's what people don't get. Like I, I've read books. I love how to win friends and influence people. Oh, it's, so did my grandson who's 21 years old. It's, it's the, mo- I think personally, I think it's, it's one of the best books ever written on how to effectively have good communication with other human beings. I you mean, it, it really is like, yeah. and, and, and the fact that people don't realize that, you know, You've you have to learn how to communicate with other people if you want to expand and grow in life. Like totally. it's it's, totally. it's a must. I'm going to step off camera for a second, but I can still hear you. Go ahead, go ahead. So so I I was going to ask. I see I see I I feel like because you know I play guitar. I've played since I was yeah. seven years old, and I sing and and I I, I have. 
Um, I feel like I've met my older brother. Oh, thank you. I thank really you. Do. By the way, Bob Donnell is on here with us. I love Bob, Bob. Bob had me at his beach house one time. I was going to be his speaker for his, you know, his next program. Yep. And uh, uh, I had my guitar with me or I borrowed his. I don't remember. But I remember just sitting in his living room and playing like 15 or 20 songs into the wee hours of the morning, sitting there on the beach in California. Just awesome. Let's let's hear let's hear you rip out a did you have you written any songs about success? Yeah. Here's one that uh, Harold Payne helped me with. How would the person I'd like to be do the things I'm about to do? It's much better when you can see from a higher point of view. How would the person I'd like to be? Do the things I'm about to do If you want to build a better world Be a better you There you wow. go Wow <laughs> what, what, So I've seen some videos of you and Lisa Patrick Yep And I love Lisa She's, she's on Me here too. She's on yep. here as well um, and, and I've, I've heard you take requests for a variety of, of different artists. How about some, uh, I was watching my buddy, John Schneider this morning. He's a friend of mine. Um, Bo John Duke. Schneider, the actor. Yeah. Bo Duke. Yeah. Bo Duke. And, and I heard yeah. you, I heard you do some Waylon Jennings that, uh, I think would be really cool. Just two good old boys. Never meaning no harm. Means anything you ever saw been in trouble with the law. It was born straightening the curves, flattening the hills. Someday the mountain might get them. Never will. Making their way the only way they know how. Always doing just a little bit more than law will allow. Just two good old boys doing the best that they could. Fighting the system like two modern day Robin Hood. Dukes of Heaven. Wow. That's awesome, man. Wow. Jim, you are amazing wow <laughs> thank you i am man i am blown away what else you got you got another song in you two things in life that make it worth living are guitars that tune good and firm feeling women <laughs> maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love let's go to luke and Buck, texas Waylon and Willie and the boys. This successful life we're living's got us feuding like the Hatfield and McCoys. Between Hack Williams' pain songs and Newberry's train songs and blue eyes crying in the rain, hot in Lukenbach, Texas, ain't nobody feeling no pain. By the way, I played and sang for an hour and a half at Lukenbach, Texas, 
about 10 days ago. Rode out there on my motorcycle, picked up a guitar off the wall, and uh, just sat in the bar and played for people. Wow. Well, baby, let's sell your diamond ring, buy some boots and faded jeans, and go away. This cold tired choking me in your high society, you cry all day. We've been so busy keeping up with the Jones. Four car garage and we're still building on. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. There you go. Jim Cathcart, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. And boots. You got your boots on. I love it. You can't live in Texas without having boots. That's right. Jim, you are amazing. Look, Lisa's saying, bring Paula to sing with you. There you go. <laughs> yep. She's she's excellent. She can sing. You know, I, I'm the entertainer. She's the singer, and our son's the best guitarist in the family. Wow. Well, and our grandson's better than all of us because he's now uh, he's a junior in college, majoring in music, playing gigs in Santa Barbara, and producing music for other people. And he's got 104 original songs on, I think, Spotify. Oh, my goodness. He's, he's a mutant. He's, he's amazing. That, he's that's an instructor so awesome. at Mathnasium because he scored 800 on his math SAT. Wow. <laughs> that's And our granddaughter's amazing, too. But well, she's in San Diego. I would say that they are genetically predispositioned <laughs> to do great. Yeah, they had good, good mother and father. Oh man, you are a real treasure. I, you know, um, I'm gonna go buy every book that you've ever written today. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. You're you're incredible. So, well, uh, if Mark- anybody wants to to connect with me in a, in a profound way and, you know, have me help them succeed, have them check out cathcart.com slash going pro going pro. Oh, let me add one word. Uh, It's, it'll tell them about the eight week process that I guide people through and the mastermind weekend. So it's cathcart.com slash going pro. I got it up there on the screen now. Good. Thank you for that. And, uh, Man, there's so much I could talk about, but there's one thing I want to share with everybody that kind of puts a uh, closure on one of the other things we talked about, Earl Nightingale. In 1989, I was president of the National Speakers Association. I called Earl and I talked with him about being on the program, on the platform with me at our annual convention in front of 2000 professional speakers in Dallas. And I said, it's not paid, but I would be honored if you would join me on stage. He said, I'd like to do that, and I might, but I can't commit yet because it's not paid. And I said, okay. So months pass, and I get a call, and it's Diana, his wife. And she said, Jim, Earl passed away. Oh, oh, oh. She said, we're not going to have a funeral because we had a private service here at his home and spread his ashes. She said, but I'd love to have a memorial for him at, at your speaker's convention. I said, oh, we'd be so honored. So she came to Dallas and hundreds of people gathered in this room to, to honor Earl Nightingale. And the only speakers at that were her and me. 
she said, Jim, I want you to speak. And I said, I am not worthy. This was Earl freaking Nightingale. It should be giants of industry and world leaders. She said, no, you don't get it. You're what he was working to create. You're the product of his products. Oh, my God. She said, so you're the perfect person to speak. And the only presentations made at his memorial that day with his own son in the audience and Zig Ziglar in the audience were her, a video message from Dennis Waitley, and me live. Greatest wow. honor of my career, maybe of my life. Huge. That is absolutely unbelievable. Wow. that with me at the housing authority at 200 pounds, smoking cigarettes and listening to Earl Nightingale on the radio. Wow. That is so, so, so what you're saying is just for the audience, I'm going to, I'm going to give my summary is, um, if you can do it, anybody can do it. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. That, don't take that lightly folks. Uh, so, by the way, Lisa Patrick, I, I didn't mention this, but she's got the, the link there. Yeah. Our book, intelligent curiosity, <clears throat> Dynamite came out in September. She is a former private eye. I and know. She and I got together and wrote a book on how to be curious. And you will love that book. But that's awesome. The point of this is if I can do it, you can certainly do it, folks. Yeah. Because I didn't have any of the usual breaks going for me. I did have a loving family. I did grow up in America. So granted, yeah. there you go. And I had the basic physical equipment to allow me to, to be mobile in life. But I didn't have any of the any of the edges, any of the, the things that would give me that little tipping point moment. Yeah. And so I just did all this by hand, long form over an extended period of time, 400 JC's meetings after work for no pay in yeah. a two year period just to master the ability to do some of this. And then all those years of paying my dues and, and building my business as a speaker and trainer, teaching other people's courses and then. I bought an interest in a psychological research firm, started teaching my own courses, started writing books. Now I've written all these many, many books and, and more coming. And I'm still looking for co-authors for upcoming books or for revisions of my, my past books. And uh, that will come from the people that have gone through my going pro mentor program. Uh, so, you know, life is expanding and, you know, God's great. Beer's delicious. <laughs> that, people don't realize that's a song um uh, that is uh, um uh, i'm trying to remember <laughs> you made me slobber all over myself um like, i wasn't expecting that that's funny um, but so so jim like i i gotta i like i have interviewed 450 50-ish people on this show and you wow. just made it to the top of my favorites, man. You're one oh, of my favorites. Thank you for that. You, you are absolutely phenomenal. And I love the fact that you just keep saying I was a clerk. I was a, a government clerk and overweight and and I, look at what I've done. Look, at, I, I did it by investing in myself not just financially but with your time yeah people don't realize and you put in the dues i i did did you pay me to be on this show nope nope 
I don't charge anything. I do this for free. I've done it over 400 times. You got to, you've got it. You got to get that. That message that Jim is giving you is you got to invest the time. And, and, and if you do it enough, eventually something might click. That's right. Can we tell them? How we got connected for this show? Oh, I wanted. Yes, thank you for. Yes, that is so cool. So <laughs> I've got an Instagram account that's Jim Cathcart, yeah. and it was it was hacked. It's it. I don't have control of it today. I'm seeking it, but I don't have control. Oh. Someone stole my Instagram account, and they posted a picture of Ken <laughs> on my account <laughs> with my profile information. Then they started systematically adding their own stuff. I went oh to Instagram God. and I said, please, you know, let me reset it. And so they sent the reset to the guy that stole it from me. So I, I still don't know how to get out of that. But well, anyway, you posted, you yeah. posted something about um, this joker or something, something. I forget how you put it. And Scott McCain said, that looks, that's my buddy, Ken Walls. That's right. And then Lisa Patrick commented, that's Ken Walls. All these people, I'm like, why are all these people tagging me? And and I, I was, yeah, it's so funny. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I, I, on a, a dating site, somebody yeah. put my picture uh, <laughs> not too long ago. And, of course, it didn't have my profile, but it had my picture. And yeah. uh, and I had people say, hey, Jim, are you, you know, fooling around <laughs> on this? And no, I am not. I've been married 52 years quite happily. Thank you very oh, much. wow. Uh, but... <laughs> That's so funny. It's yeah. these, these, the, 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 the scammers. It's crazy, man. I, yeah. I get, I, there was a time it slowed down a little bit since Facebook gave me the verified my account, but I was getting 10 plus notifications every day from people saying these, these fake profiles are trying to scam them. And it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. But Jim, well, I, listen. I want to read all these comments. I, so oh. I, I hope they're being saved. Oh, they're, they're on here. You can, you can stick around. It, it, they'll be here for a while. So um, I want to say thank you. I know we went over today, but it was, yeah, it was well great, worth man. it. Well Just worth great it. Fun. it. It was so much fun. So everybody listen, go to cathcart.com forward slash going pro. Check out Jim, follow Jim everywhere, everywhere <laughs> on all the social media platforms and, and, you know, if you haven't shared this out, redeem yourself right now and share this out. There's like extra points somewhere for that. I don't know where, but, um, Jim, thank you. You're, you're a real joy. What a treat. Hey, it's, it's a treat for me, Ken. We are, we're brothers now, so let's stay connected. Actively. Definitely. Definitely. Hang tight with me if you would. And I'm going to end the live stream and wrap the show up, but I'll be right back with you. Everybody, please make sure you go follow Jim on all the social media platforms. Go to cathcart.com forward slash going pro and sign up for everything that he's offering. Everything. Just get out your credit card and do it. You'll, you'll not regret it. We'll see you guys later, Jim. Thank you so much. You bet.